inspiration. You were there to help me out. You just saw the need and said, can I help you? We learn a lot from watching other horses and watching other riders. Hello, horse lovers. I'm Julie Goodnight, and thank you for listening to my podcast about horse training and equestrian sports. Be sure to hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. You can find us everywhere you find your podcasts. By the way, folks, I appreciate the great reviews I've been getting, both in person and online. I love seeing those five-star reviews. It helps me out a lot, and it helps other horse lovers like you find this podcast. My sincere thanks to everyone who's left me a review. I really enjoy your comments, and your suggestions and questions are awesome. You may hear them reflected in our podcast today. Since my last podcast, I've actually been on the road more than I've been home. In fact, I just took a check of the calendar this morning, and I noticed that in the last month I've been gone 25 days. So I've been kind of busy, and I just completed my last business trip of the year to Equine Affair, and I enjoyed being there, as always. It was a great weekend. The weather was horrible, but the trade show was awesome. My clinics worked out great. I had good riders, good horses, saw lots of familiar faces there. We did some giveaways every day. We had a huge bucket of Cosequin products we gave away on Sunday. We gave a bunch of Shoshin grooming products away. We gave a pair of my custom design reins, uh, single loop rope reins away every day. So we had a lot of fun interaction with the attendees. I saw a lot of my friends and colleagues there and pretty much a good time was had by all as always. My friend Loretta brought me her great stallion to ride Smoke. Uh, many of you have seen me riding this horse. He's a Cremella stallion and just gorgeous. And he's a he's a good old boy, nice horse to do a presentation on. Don't have to think much about riding him. He's just so cooperative and, and uh, so good at his job. So, so that was great. I had familiar horses to ride and a lot of familiar faces. It was a great weekend. Also in the last month around the barn, we managed to get in our annual hay supply. So we've got, let's see, one, two, three, four stacks of hay around the place. I buy about 20 tons of hay a year. I like to buy my hay in the fall when uh, hopefully stocks are plentiful and prices are lowest. And I managed to find some excellent, excellent grass hay in small bales. So I'm pretty excited about that. We haven't been able to find small bales in a number of years and it's so much easier than feeding off of large bales. So we're all stocked up for the winter. Horses are all cozy and happy. I'm looking forward to more time at home now. I've got about eight weeks off the road in terms of business trips anyway. I might do a few personal trips for the next eight weeks. Mostly I'll be at home and able to focus on catching up on projects. Also getting to ride my own horses more, do a little skiing, hopefully a little mountain biking as well. Looking forward to next year 
I've got some new programs coming up. I'm doing four programs at the Sea Lazy U Guest Ranch, which is a epic guest ranch up here in the mountains of Colorado. And I'm doing two programs with Barbara Schulte. One is a couple's riding retreat. Um, that's new, and we're really excited about that, getting a lot of great feedback on that already. Also doing a four-day horsemanship immersion program, which will be targeted straight towards those people that just cannot learn enough about horses and want to come enjoy being in the mountains with a laboratory of 200 specimens of horses and just as learn as much as we can and delve deep into horsemanship, horse behavior, equipment, tack, training, and riding. I'm also excited to be going back to Ireland for a riding vacation with the Connemara Equestrian Escapes in 2020. You can find out about all of these programs at juliegoodnight.com. Today's topic is winter tips for you and your horse. How to manage your horse's needs in winter. I'll also share some of the secrets I've learned after living here in the high mountains of Colorado for the last 30 plus years when it comes to staying warm while you ride, while you feed, or while you do your horse chores in winter. And finally, we'll talk about how you can stay fit as a rider, even if you can't ride as much over the winter as you usually do. I'll share some of my favorite workout routines and some exercises you can do in your living room to keep fit for riding all winter long. We also have some new questions to answer straight from our listeners in the What the Hey Q&A segment. So please stay tuned. And now let's talk about winter tips for you and your horse. How to prepare and manage your horse's needs in winter. One of the first things I think about in terms of preparing for winter is securing our hay supply. I like to buy hay for the entire year when I can. I like to buy it in the fall when supplies are abundant and usually, therefore, prices are the lowest. I look for a high-quality, highest-quality, low-protein grass hay. I love a mixture of grasses whenever I can find that. I buy about 20 tons of hay a year. That's about a semi-load. I always look for hay to be delivered, consequently, so that has a, a bearing on where I can buy. So finding, buying, and securing that hay for the winter is a really big project that can take as much as a month from start to finish by the time we start researching, looking at hay, and considering various options, and getting that hay delivered, put up, tarped, or in the barn. I like to, once I've secured the hay I'm going to use for the winter, I like to test it. So I'll I'll get some samples from various points in the stack. If I have a couple of different types of hay or have bought from some different fields, I would do multiple tests of the hay. And then you just send that away. It doesn't cost very much. And you send it to a laboratory and they come back and tell you the breakdown of the nutrients and the protein content of that hay. So that tells me what kind of supplementation I might need to do for my horses in terms of vitamins and minerals. And we like to free feed our horses hay all year long, but particularly in the winter when it's cold and they're not moving around as much and they need to be able to stay warm at night by chewing hay and eating all day long like nature intended them to do. 
So the horses stay warmer and fatter and happier uh, with free choice hay. And we can really only free choice the hay if it's a fairly low protein hay. Otherwise, it would just be too rich for their digestive systems. We supplement our horses. All of our horses get just a handful of grain in the mornings to carry the supplements, the vitamin and joint health supplements that we get. They each get cosequin every morning, a little fish oil, well-actin, and some vitamin supplementation just to keep them healthy and to offset any deficiencies that might be in their primarily hay diet. Another thing I really focus on in terms of preparation for winter is securing my horse's water supply in winter. Now, keep in mind, I live in the high mountains of Colorado. We frequently have temperatures below zero Fahrenheit. That is, you know, the equivalent of 20 to 30 below Celsius. So freezing water is going to happen rapidly. So we have to make sure we have heated water sources Horses will survive in almost any condition. However, when it's really cold out, they will not drink as much as they normally would. And that can put horses on a sort of borderline state of dehydration in cold weather when colic and other health issues are most likely to affect them. Dehydration can be such a critical health issue in horses that we don't take a chance. We make sure there's a heated water supply. My horses that come into stalls at night have heated water buckets. I prefer water buckets over automatic waterers in the stalls because I want to be able to see exactly what the horse drinks every morning. We know what's normal for each horse, and we can check every morning to make sure the horses have all consumed their normal amount of water. If they haven't, we know to watch out, be careful, make sure they're going to make up for it somehow. Beyond heated water, we have to think about how we're going to fill that water supply. Are my water lines heated? We do have some insulated, heated, automatic waters for the group pens where hanging a bucket wouldn't do you any good because all of the horses are drinking out of the same source. And those, we have to make sure those are cleaned, maintained, uh, whatever sort of heat source they use is connected and and freshened up if, if need be. If we use hoses to fill tanks or water buckets, we have to make sure everything is double drained every time they're used or kept in a heated tack room, which we often do with our water hoses. A lot of people wonder if we blanket our horses or not in the winter. You know, I get, as I travel around the world, I often get asked, you know, what do you do with your horses in the winter when they know I live in the high mountains at a high altitude? The truth is, horses are incredibly adaptable to virtually any climate, including very cold and snowy weather. Now, we do blanket our horses, the ones we're riding, but it's not for the horse's survival. Frankly, it's for our own convenience. We ride them in a passively heated indoor arena all winter long, and so If they grow really heavy hair coats and our horses work up to a sweat when we ride them in the warm indoor, we really have a problem keeping those horses warm at night. It's very difficult to dry a sweaty horse when it's really cold outside. So we keep them blanketed to help 
keep their hair coats manageable so that they don't get too sweaty when we ride. And because we might have to keep their hair coat thin or even trace clip occasionally to manage their sweat, we have to keep them blanketed to make up for that. So the blanketing is really more for our convenience. However, there are some horses that we blanket for their own well-being. Of course, our geriatric horses that are quite old and maybe losing body conditioning, any horses that have little fat in their body content, in their flesh content, any horses that have been sick or struggling may need blankets just so that they don't spend excess calories trying to maintain warmth. The climate that you live in dictates a lot whether or not you blanket your horses and how wet it is. A horse is well insulated for winter as long as he's dry. Oftentimes I see our unblanketed horses when it's really cold and snowy will build up a layer of snow and ice on their coat, but the hair is dry underneath that and they appear to be pretty warm. However, when the horse's hair coat is completely soaking wet and laying flat against their skin, they have lost all the insulation value in their coat. These horses can get cold. So it's important that we make sure our horses have shelter from precipitation. Uh, most importantly, that they have shelter from the wind in winter. And we do the best we can. And if we, if the shelter is not adequate or the horse refuses to utilize the shelter, as is often the case, then we might need a blanket. We use all ways of blankets, so every horse has about four different blankets, from flyweight to stable sheets to midweight blankets to heavyweight blankets. We like our blankets to be waterproof and made of high-tech materials that are wicking and moisture that carry comfort level in a wide variety of temperature for the horses. Also, I look for blankets that are super heavy duty in their construction. In horse blankets, you get what you pay for. And so you can always buy cheap blankets of all different types. However, they're not likely to last long. Because our horses spend so much time in blankets, I tend to buy the high-end, heavy-duty, well-designed blankets. We like the neck hoods. I like that to be, I don't like the blanket to hang at the wither of the horse. I like them to have a turtleneck design to help maintain the warmth in the horse's neck area. Foot care in the winter can be a special challenge for some of us. I like to keep my horses barefoot as much as possible in the winter Really, for the horse's health, it's best he stays barefoot as much as possible. So sometimes we shoe horses because of a heavy workload or because of a therapeutic need that they might have. But in the winter, when possible, we want to keep the horses barefoot so that they have better traction in the snow and ice and also so that their feet can expand and harden up and become flexible. If I'm going to pull the shoes on a horse that's been shod all summer. I like to do that early enough in the fall before the ground freezes hard. If we get a bit of moisture followed by a deep, deep frost and the ground was muddy and then gets hard frozen, a horse can get sore footed very easily. So I want to be careful with my horses that way. But he will have better traction in the snow and ice if he is barefoot. He will have 
less frequency of snowballs forming under his feet. If a horse must remain shod in the winter, generally it's for therapeutic reasons. We like to make sure they have snow pads underneath the shoe so that it discourages those snowballs from forming under their feet, which can make the horse feel like he has four roller skates on. If the horse is definitely going to be used in slick conditions, then we might want to consider using some traction boots on him, or even uh, if he is does require shoeing and he's going to be in icy conditions, they can add borium to the shoes or certain or, or studs, which gives the horse obviously more friction to not slip. I worry about horses slipping and falling on the ice, whether it's when I'm handling them. It's probably not going to be when I'm riding them because I only ride indoors when the footing is bad. However, sometimes going from point A to point B, we're treading over ice. Also, and, and more importantly, perhaps the running around out in the field, they can can and do, unfortunately, occasionally slip on the ice and hurt themselves. Often I know that because I know I will discover the horse has become very nervous around icy patches when I'm leading him. And also there's some indication of an injury. A lot of people wonder how they might maintain the horse's training in the winter if they're unable to ride that horse. Of course, it's a great idea to do groundwork with your horse throughout the winter to maintain your leadership, to separate him from the herd a little bit, to remind him that you have authority, that you have a relationship with him that's worth maintaining. If I don't have adequate footing even to do groundwork. I would still try to bring bring my horse inside the barn on occasion, separate him from the rest of the horses, groom him, mess around with him a little bit to remind him how nice it is to be with you, to remind him that there is a life away from the herd and that you're going to get back to that soon. So even if you can't do groundwork and can't ride that horse, do try to bring that horse in occasionally. Give him a good grooming from head to tail so you make sure he's in good health underneath all that hair. And so that you remind him who you are and that that you have a nice relationship with him. You might wonder what is too cold when it comes to riding your horses. And I'm not thinking in terms of you and your comfort level, but in terms of the health of your horse. And depending on the climate that you live in, of course, there are absolutely temperatures that are too cold to ride a horse. Anytime it's below 20 degree Fahrenheit, let's say minus four Celsius, you want to think twice about getting a horse's aerobic activity too high. We want to be very careful in all conditions in winter to try to avoid working up a sweat in the horse's hair coat because it may be so difficult to dry him and that may cause him to get a terrible chill after you ride. So we do not work horses when temperatures fall below 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And I use a very unscientific way of measuring that, which is that I myself step outside and I take a deep breath in through my nostrils. And if I can feel ice crystals forming on the hairs in my nose, I know it's too cold for that horse to be 
working up too much of an aerobic state. We can easily scorch his lungs and make him uncomfortable. And again, we want to avoid any working up any kind of sweat in that condition. Unless, of course, your horse has the great fortune of being able to ride in a heated arena and also live in a heated arena so he's not having to go inside and outside. My horses, although they come into a barn at night, it's st- it's not heated. So they're still, and they have an outside run and the door is always open. So they're pretty much living in, uh, they have shelter, but the outside temperatures are cold. So these are all considerations that vary with the climate, of course, that you live in. But absolutely, there are temperatures that are too cold to ride your horse. And if in doubt, consult your equine specialist or your veterinarian and ask them if they carry that kind of information for your climate. Finally, just a few things about preparing your equipment for winter. I like to keep my tack room and feed room heated. We keep the heat on very, very low. We keep the temperature just above freezing maybe in the 40 degrees Fahrenheit range. And that way our grain and supplements don't freeze. Our medications are not freezing. Also the hoses we can bring inside and not worry about them freezing. You also have your tack and riding equipment to worry about. We use a lot of leather and I like to keep the leather at a fairly steady temperature. Before winter comes, we like to give our all of our leather tack a real thorough cleaning. I use leather therapy, leather wash, and leather conditioner. Put a heavy coat of conditioning on the saddles and bridles during the winter. That way they'll maintain some moisture in them. I live in a very dry climate and it's even drier in the winter. So maintaining that moisture and making sure that leather stays at a steady temperature and is not getting so cold and dried out that it becomes brittle and loses its suppleness. Also consider if you are in a very cold climate and your bridle bits are hanging in an outside temperature, if that metal bit is uh, well below freezing, it might be pretty uncomfortable to put in your horse's mouth and we sure wouldn't want to take a chance of his tongue sticking to it. So we either hang our bridles inside a heated room in the winter or you make sure that you take that chill off your bit by wrapping it around your hand. Some people might use warm water or uh, other kind of heating device for their bit. You also might want to think about your saddle pads and even your saddles that might have memory foam or gel pads or be made of a closed cell type foam that gets hard when it's cold. When you put that saddle pad under the saddle and it's really cold and brick-like to the horse, that may be a little bit uncomfortable for him. His back and his body heat will warm that pad up rapidly, but you might want to consider either, again, keeping your saddles and blankets in a place that's heated or just giving it a few extra moments as you saddle that horse up to allow that pad to warm up to body temperature so it is doing its job of cushioning the horse's back and providing him comfort, not feeling like there's a brick under the saddle. Next, I'd like to talk to you about cold weather apparel for horse people. 
For over 30 years, I've lived in the high mountains of Colorado. We live at an altitude of just a little bit under 8,000 feet above sea level. We're just below the continental divide, and it can get quite cold in the winter and snowy as well. We frequently have sub-zero temperatures. That's minus 20 to minus 30 centigrade. I've learned a lot about how to stay warm from the sport of skiing, but I've also learned a lot from managing horse properties in the winter in such a harsh climate. For myself, I really like to stay warm. It's I get cold easily. Maybe it's because I grew up in Florida. I don't know. But I really am miserable when I'm cold. So I have learned a lot of tricks to keep myself warm all winter long. And I want to talk to you about separate parts of your body. So we'll talk about your feet, your hands, your pants, and your outerwear, and your headgear. Let's talk about your feet first. If my feet are cold, I am cold all over and I am miserable. I like to wear the heavy neoprene muck boots when it's super cold. And I often, if I'm going to be standing around out in the cold most of the day, I often put warmers in the boots. And I have some reusable warmers that I use. Sometimes I'll use disposable hand and foot warmers, but I'll just slip one under my toes and there's plenty of room in those muck boots to hold a heater. So that'll keep me nice and toasty. Also, I like those neoprene muck boots because they give good traction in the snow and ice. If I'm riding, I can't ride in those boots. They're not really safe. I keep my riding boots inside. In fact, maybe even next to the fire. And I want to make sure they're warm. And I'll carry them out if it's, if it's snowy and icy and I need to wear those muck boots to the arena. I'll carry them out there with me and I'll slip them on uh, once I get on to the dry footing so that my boots stay warm and my feet aren't having to slip into ice cold boots. If you're looking for winter riding boots, I would look for something that's super insulated. You know, you still want riding safety. So you want a relatively slick sole. You want a one inch, a half inch to one inch heel. And you want a boot that is slimline enough that your foot will slip easily in and out of the stirrup. I really like the boots made by Mountain Horse. They're comfortable. They're slimline. They're very warm. Uh, They tend to be waterproof. So there's lots of good brands out there for winter riding boots. Just make sure they're safe for riding in terms of the bottom of the boot. Also, another trick I've learned for keeping my feet warm in winter is the use of compression socks. And so many of you are familiar with people flying on airplanes and using compression socks or people in the hospital or whom have suffered from strokes might wear compression socks, but they actually make compression socks for athletes and it really helps with the circulation in your feet and lower legs that alone really helps keep your feet warm they're rather expensive they're you know going to cost you 40 45 dollars a pair but they really go a long way to keep your feet warm and they last a long time too so i would encourage you to look into that let's talk about your hands for a minute Of course, I'm going to wear an insulated heavy-duty work glove in winter. We like to also have 
heavy-duty waterproof gloves around in case you need to wash water buckets or clean out a water tank or something like that. You can find the sort of heavy insulated waterproof gloves as well. I'm a big fan, as I said, of using hand warmers. And wherever possible, if it's really cold, I like to be able to use a mitten. My hands are definitely warmer in mittens. I like a liner underneath the mitten. But of course, there's a lot of stuff that we cannot do with horses with mittens on. But you can get the mittens that have the index finger free so that you can you know, hold a rope a little bit better. So again, look, I would look into specialized mittens and gloves for winter riding because these are items that are specially designed for equestrians. One big question that came from our listeners is if I had any recommendations on winter riding pants and why, yes, I do, as a matter of fact. Once it gets pretty cold and I am worried about staying warm and generally by the time we've gotten chased into riding inside, I wear Arctic fleece jodfers. Jodfers, of course, are riding pants that come all the way to the ground. And so because my footwear in the winter could be anything from a tall boot to a muck boot, I want to make sure I have plenty of coverage in the jodfers. Also, the heavy-duty Arctic winter fleece tends to be windproof. The brand of Arctic fleece jodfers that I wear are made by Iridion, I-R-I-D-E-O-N, and it's made by Toclat. And they make a full line of English riding apparel, and they have some great winter apparel. So I would check out the winter fleece for sure. But remember, we have to be careful in riding apparel that you're not wearing something that's super slick, like nylon. Um, You want to make sure that you have the leather patches at the knee so that you're not too slippery in the saddle. I always wear long underwear under my riding pants. I prefer, again, a high-tech long underwear or silk long underwear under my riding pant in the winter, no matter what kind of pants I'm, I'm riding in. And then to top all that off, I get a lot of wear out of my insulated bib coveralls. I have a pair made by Carhartt for women. And I like the bib coveralls. Uh, They zip up up the sides so I can easily get in and out of them with my riding apparel underneath. I like the bibs and not the long sleeve coveralls because as the temperature fluctuates, I'm going to use a different type of jacket. If I'm riding indoors, I might not be wearing a heavy jacket or a jacket with a hood. But I wear different types of upper apparel. So with the bib overalls, they seem most versatile rather than the the full long sleeve coveralls. Also, you might consider looking into riding skirts. There is a outfit up in Alaska who are making heavy insulated and waterproof skirts for riding, specifically for riding. So they're cut to go over the back of your horse and in front of your saddle. And that way you receive a lot of warmth off the back of the horse. You still wear your full winter riding apparel underneath, 
but the the skirt is sort of like a poncho around your waist and around the horse, which allows you to trap the heat. And also if you're riding in any kind of precipitation, rain or snow, it allows all of that to shed off you and your horse and also keeping you warm. For headgear, I wear a micro fleece helmet liner underneath my helmet. It tucks all the way down into my uh, turtleneck and provides me a nice micro fleece layer between the helmet and my head. The helmet alone is good insulation and warmth in the winter. And so by putting the fleece hood underneath it, it's extra warm and cozy. I think it's important to have some kind of neck gaiter when you're riding. I can't tolerate a lot of thickness around my neck. It drives me crazy. But I get these thin, thin tubular neck gaiters that are windproof and they come up clear over your ears and all the way tucked down into the collar of your shirt. You can wear them as an earband. You can sort of wear them as a hoodie kind of thing. So they're a versatile garment and I always have several around. Next, I'd like to share with you some tips for exercises for rider fitness when you can't be riding as much as you're used to. Next, I'd like to share with you some tips and some exercises for staying fit for riding all winter long. A lot of us just can't ride as much as we'd like to in the winter. And after riding hard all summer, we've developed those riding muscles and our balance skills and our core strength. And it's a shame to see all that just deteriorate over the winter. So yes, there are a lot of great things you can do to help stay fit in the winter. And I'd like to share some of my exercise routines with you. Stuff you can do in your own living room Anytime I'm thinking about fitness for equestrian sports, the first thing I think about is balance. The second thing I think about is core strength. And then finally, I want to make sure I have some sort of aerobic activity in my routine so that I'm maintaining that aerobic conditioning that I know I'll need when I'm on an active ride on a horse. Let's talk about balance exercises first. Balance is the number one skill required of riders, so this is an exercise you really want to focus on. The truth is, as we age, our balance deteriorates. In fact, you reach your peak ability of balance between the age of 18 and 20. And from there on, it's just a slippery slope downhill, unless you do something to improve your balance. Balance is a skill that you can easily improve through exercise. So I always want to make sure any physical workout that I do in order to stay fit for riding includes a huge amount of focus on balance. When you do balance exercises, if you do them two days in a row, on the second day, you should notice a big improvement in your balance. No matter how much you age and no matter how poor your balance has gotten, you can always improve your balance through exercise. I'll tell you some of my favorite things. Of course, exercise programs like Pilates and yoga really help with your balance. There will generally be portions throughout those workouts that do require you to balance. Also, I use an exercise device known as the BOSU. That's spelled capital B, capital O, capital S, capital U, and it's actually an acronym for 
both sides utilized. The BOSU is half an exercise ball on a flat disc. And so it sits flat on the floor and it's stable if it's sitting on its flat side. And you have an arcing exercise ball to do to do balance exercise with. And it comes with a DVD that has some great workouts. Also, if you have a regular exercise ball, let's say a 55, let's say a 55 centimeter or 65 maybe, practice finding your balance kneeling on the ball. Be careful that you don't fall. So you want to set it up in a place that's clear of obstacles and with something nearby that you can hold on to to find your balance. But if you can get where you can kneel on that ball with your knees spread apart, just like they are when you're on a horse, and standing up over that ball and balancing, you are really honing your balance. And you're honing that balance by using your abdominal muscles or your core strength, which is such an important part of riding. The next thing that I want to focus on in my workout routines for staying fit over the winter is my core strength. Pilates is one of my favorite activities for developing core strength. It has so many exercises that directly relate to your balance. A lot of the exercises we do in Pilates are done on the floor, on the mat, in a sitting position, which is, again, mimicking the way that you use your body in riding. It really teaches you how to separate different parts of your abdominal muscles and strengthen them independently and to learn to move and balance from your core first. And this is a really important part of riding. I enjoy the Gaim 5-Day Fit Pilates program. It is available on DVD and streaming, I believe. And you can find Pilates classes in almost any place that offers workout classes. The final component of my workout routine to stay fit for riding involves some sort of aerobic activity. Look, when we ride horses, you're using your core strength and there's so much movement involved when you get up into trotting and cantering that having good aerobic health is important. So I want something that's going to really kick my heart rate up high, my heart rate in breathing, get myself to you know the full uh, maximum volume of my lungs for a sustained period of time, you know, working up to maybe 10 minutes of sustained aerobic activity. You can work up to that by doing short bursts of aerobic activity, even just a minute or two of bursts of aerobic activity during your workout will help grow your aerobic capacity or at the very least maintain your aerobic capacity over the winter. I'm a big believer in cross-training as well. Hiking, biking, swimming, these are all things that will help maintain your fitness, help maintain your balance, and help increase core strength and aerobic capacity. So maybe one day you do Pilates, the next day you go hiking, another day you work on the BOSU to really develop your core strength, and then we add some other activities later in the week. Whatever you can do to keep moving is going to help, and also remember... Your posture is a really important part of riding. So make sure that you're doing activities that lengthen you in the spine. Make sure that you're developing good posture habits on a daily basis. And now 
It's time for my favorite segment, What the Hey Q&A. For each podcast, we pick a few unique questions from our listeners and answer them on the air. We're also looking for listeners to come on the air with me for a live Q&A session over the phone. So if you have a more complicated question about your horse that needs discussion, or if you'd like to submit a written question for What the Hay, please go to my Facebook page at Julie Goodnight Horsemanship or go to juliegoodnight.com slash podcast and contact us there. And now for our first question. Megan, read the first question, please. All right. Our first question comes from Lori, and she says, I'm looking for a saddle for my two-year-old. What is the best way to get the right fit? Lori, you need to keep in mind that a two-year-old's body is changing so fast from day to day, week to week, that it's not a time to acquire a saddle for that horse. Think about how much the human body changes from birth to, let's say, 80 years of age. And when you consider that the horse's body also changes from birth to old age, but three to four times faster than the human body, you might understand that, particularly in the first few years of a horse's life, they are growing so fast and their body is changing so rapidly that to be able to acquire a saddle for a two-year-old that's going to fit him when he's fully mature is going to be a, a difficult task. So also keep in mind that horses aren't really physically mature until they're seven or eight years old. And the horse grows the most in his lifetime, in his first year of life, and his second year of life is the second biggest growth spurt. So your horse is just barely young enough to ride. What you're going to have to do is find a smaller saddle, probably uh, something with a narrower tree. Sometimes English saddles are easier to fit on a young horse. But you're just going to have to find a saddle that's small enough for him now And you're going to have to reassess that saddle fit really every six months for sure until he's fully mature and you're you're ready to settle into a saddle that might last him some time. Now we can do a lot to pad out a saddle that's too big for a young horse. And oftentimes when horses are started on the saddle at a very young age, they appear to be just swimming in the saddle. They look like a, a little kid dressed up in her mother's clothes. So... You're going to have to do the best you can by padding out. You know, often youth saddles work well for young horses. You know, when I'm just desensitizing young horses to what it's going to be like to carry a saddle, we just use a surcingle around his girth area. Then we don't have to worry too much about saddle fit. But if you're actively riding that two-year-old, particularly if it's a small horse, you want to be careful about not overloading that horse. So find a saddle that's small enough that he's not swimming in it. But keep in mind that you have to reassess saddle fit and you're probably going to have to move to larger and wider saddles as the horse matures. Our next question comes from Megan and she asks, how many days or weeks do you like to do groundwork with a horse that is out of condition from time off before adding under saddle work? Thanks for the question, Megan. Well, 
It's hard to answer that question too specifically because every situation is going to be different. What is the age of this horse? How long and how badly out of shape is he? How long has it been since he's been ridden? Has it just been a few weeks or has it been years? Has he never been ridden? Is he recovering from an illness or an injury or some sort of neglect, uh, malnutrition? All of those things are really going to have a huge bearing on how long I'm going to work on conditioning the horse before adding in under saddle work. Hand walking horses 20-30 minutes a day will do a surprising amount to strengthen the horse and condition him. If the horse is severely out of shape, I'm going to suggest that he may need as much as 30 days of hand walking before much additional work is added. At some point, we can start lunging that horse at the trot to get his aerobic capacity up. Keep in mind that when we work horses on the circle, it's pretty hard on them physically. It's hard on their joints. So again, depending on the circumstances of that horse, we may be limited on certain exercises. Putting horses on hot walkers, ponying horses can be an option for horses that can't do circle work. But if you think just in terms of conditioning a horse, you're really looking at 30, 60, 90 day chunks of time to make much physical impact on the horse. If the horse has been severely out of shape, you might need as many as 90 days of groundwork before that horse has developed enough physical strength to carry the saddle and rider. Also, I like to consider doing some work with the horse on the ground that's going to strengthen his back and abdominal muscles. I prefer to use the bidding system that I designed and sell. It's called an elbow pull, and it teaches the horse to come off the pressure and hold himself in a collected frame, all with his abdominal muscles. So it really helps build a top line on a horse and develop some abdominal strength. And that helps a lot before we start working that horse under saddle. Once the horse has put on some musculature on his top line and I start seeing some definition in his abdominal muscles, I start seeing uh, less of a sagging belly and sagging top line and more of a fit looking belly and a stronger top line. Then I'm ready to start thinking about riding him. And again, we're going to build slowly on that, work primarily at the walk and long trot. Long trot is the most aerobically and strength building conditioning gait for the horse. So keep in mind that if that horse has not been saddled and ridden in a long time, he's going to need to somewhat harden his body to the saddle and the weight of the rider. So we're going to keep our rides short at first, check that saddle fit, make sure your cinch, a girth, your saddle pad are all comfortable for the horse, the saddle fits him well, uh, make sure that you check his back after every ride to make sure he's not developing any back soreness, and just take it slowly, give him time to get back in shape with the saddle, the weight of the rider, and the conditioning that he needs for riding. Generally, like I said, it's going to be 60 or 90 days before you can really see a lot of changes physically in the horse. And when we get beyond that into four or five, six months of the horse, you should start getting into some good conditioning in that horse. 
And our final question comes from Leanne, and she asks, how do I slow down a fast walker that wants to be in the lead? Well, Leanne, that's a tough question. If I have a horse that has a nice, fast walk on him, the last thing I want to do is penalize him by holding him back and making him stop a lot. So if I'm riding with horses that are slow, I'll just ask them to trot up as needed, or I'll let my horse walk ahead for a ways. Then I'll turn around and walk back, or just turn around, stop, and wait. Now, if your horse is walking fast strictly because he insists on being in the lead and he won't let any horses be in front of him and he sort of throws a fit about it, that's a whole different scenario. That's a horse that you really need to work on his obedience. He probably thinks he's dominant and he thinks he gets to decide things that he doesn't get to decide. Remember, a well-trained saddle horse goes in the direction requested by the rider at the speed dictated by the rider. So if your horse is charging to get out in front just strictly because of a herd issue or a dominance issue, these are things you need to address with that horse, and you need to look into a broad spectrum of your day-to-day interactions with this horse. Often people are giving away their leadership and authority to the horse when they're handling that horse on the ground. And then they're surprised by actions like these in the saddle. So you'll have to get your horse used to the fact that sometimes he gets to be in front, but sometimes he has to be behind. You'll have to do it enough until he's tolerant of it. You can maybe enlist the help of a couple of friends and play a game of leapfrog, allowing one horse in front, another horse in front, and then let your horse be in front. And you switch off like this a lot until your horse just learns to tolerate it. But you might want to seriously look into other aspects of your relationship with that horse and why he might think he gets to make decisions like that. Thank you everyone for an interesting conversation on winter tips for your horse life. I hope you found a few ideas to help make your horse life easier and I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Next month, we'll tackle another horse training subject to help find the solutions you need to help make your horse life better. I enjoy sharing my horse care and training experience with you, but I'd also love to hear what topics interest you the most. If you have questions for our Q&A segment, ideas for topics you'd like me to address, or you'd like to participate in a call-in podcast with me, please send me a message on Facebook at Julie Goodnight or email me at podcast at juliegoodnight.com. And be sure to hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. Also, it helps us rise in the rankings so more horse lovers find this podcast. I'm Julie Goodnight. Thank you for listening and don't forget to enjoy the ride. Be sure to visit juliegoodnight.com slash academy for more in-depth training advice. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate your good review on iTunes so more horse lovers just like you can find my podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to enjoy the ride.